Welcome to Small Biz, Big Wins, where every episode is a new journey into the heart of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Summer Poquette, here to navigate the thrilling world of small business with you. Each week, we dive into the inspiring stories and joyful triumphs of real business owners. Get ready to be empowered with actionable advice, and most importantly, celebrate the spirit of small business. Let's dive into how every small victory shapes your big success. This is Small Biz, Big Wins. Let's make it happen. Pivot is a word we hear often in small business. It means to fundamentally change the direction of a business when you realize the current products and services aren't meeting the needs of the market. The main goal of a pivot is to help the company improve revenue or survive in a market. But the way you pivot your business can make all the difference. Today on Small Biz Big Wins, I'm going to talk with Sarah McDonald on how she pivoted during the pandemic and how this she is now thriving because of it. As I said, it's how you pivot that makes the difference. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Summer. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So tell the listeners a little bit about your business, uh, Little Bake or May, and really essentially how it came to be. I mean, you made a pivot during COVID-19 and created a new and flourishing business. Tell us all about it. Okay, yeah. So um, first, uh, in spring of 2019, I purchased the Parkside Deli in downtown Petoskey, which is a small sandwich shop. Hugely successful business that I purchased, lots of sandwiches made to order, and we had a great first summer. And during that down season, off season here, I started wanting to get back into chefing again. And so my partner and I started working on a website and, you know, just Chef Sarah and really wanted to do stock the fridge and ready-made meals and really kind of catered to the second homeowners vacation properties here in Northern Michigan. And before that could happen, the pandemic happened. And so Mm. we did an immediate switch. So the website was sort of being built already and we just really pulled the trigger and went live with it um, during the shutdown and was able to just do some ready-made meals, the local deliveries. And I really enjoyed it. And as the season restarted and we reopened and the Parkside Deli was running again. I was still doing this personal chef catering and I was loving it and it was getting a lot of traction. And and I think it was in the September, you have to remember, help me remember summer. It was September, October that I hired Keep It Real Social to yeah, take over the marketing. Yeah, I think it was probably October. Yeah, it was kind of September, October. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the big switch. And we just, and then from there on, that personal chef business really took a life of its own and became its own entity, I would say. And I mean, literally, you you know, you had the concept of the personal chefing and Mm -hmm. you were doing it on the side and you had the website kind of partially built. It was called Chef Sarah at the time. Um, and you know, but the deli was also thriving and then bam, COVID, right? So like (laughs) nobody's coming in for sandwiches. There's lockdown. You can't go anywhere. Um, and you just kind of, it seems to me like you saw this as an opportunity to grow this portion of your business, Mm -hmm. turn it into something that would be successful and that the market was demanding. It really was. 
you couldn't yeah, you couldn't go out to eat or if you could it was so limited and it's was hard with families and you know all that small events large events weddings funerals everything was postponed and people were trying to figure out other ways to get together and gather around the tables and celebrate life's adventures and mm-hmm. this is where we really found our niche yeah covid-19 kind of gave you the catalyst for taking something you really had in your mind mm-hmm. and turning it into something super successful and the market just kind of latched right onto it. It did. It really did. Um, what were some challenges that you faced making this pivot? Because you had to do it quickly, right? Um, were there extra costs or more time? Did you obviously, um, like, how did you do it with employees? It was just you? Uh, it was just me. Um, we had the deli employees, which are high schoolers, so they were they were able to make the sandwiches, but they're not doing the chefing that I was doing. Um, advantage was we were in one building, so my cost I didn't have to go rent another kitchen. I didn't have any added costs in that aspect of it. I did have to buy some induction burners. Um, the Parkside Deli building doesn't have you know, gas hookup or anything. So we just on electric equipment. So bought a couple induction burners and it was time really. Um, The space there is very small. So I would go in in the morning, I would cook, I would chef. And then by nine in the morning, we're transitioning to make sandwiches. Um, All the staff comes in. So it was time consuming on my part of just extending my days longer. Yeah, long days. Explain a little bit more for our listeners on what chefing kind of means. Like what what did this incorporate? Like you were making full meals, you were making just casseroles, you're making custom. Like what what did that really entail, the chefing? Um, for the most part, it was we we're at that time really focusing on the ready-made meals. So some casseroles, but mostly going in and um you know, braising a pot of chicken or for instance, and then roasting vegetables and then doing. So the Parkside Deli has two floors. It's kind of hard to imagine. Um, So the upstairs has our cooking equipment. So then we're upstairs, we cook, and then we bring everything downstairs uh, where our prep tables and our sanitation sinks are and our, our, all of the stuff behind the madness, I guess. And, uh, so we would bring it downstairs, then lay it out, portion it out into specific pans for our clients. Um, we were doing a lot of allergy meals. Um, I had a lot mm. of clients with children with specific allergies. And so keeping everything separate was important at that time. Yeah. So a family of four could order, you know, um, chicken breasts and mashed potatoes or red skins and, you know, whatever you were preparing and kind of have those portioned out, you could pick them up with no contact. Correct. Pay online, pick them up with no contact. And I was able to feed my family without having to cook. Correct. Yep. And it was healthy and it was all pre-made. So, and what, what challenges did that have? I mean, obviously you had some space challenges, but you know, in, in your time. Yeah. Um, it, I think it was getting the word out of what, what exactly we were doing. Um, there was confusion that people could just come and pick up meals 
without ordering. There was, you know, just thinking we had a grab and go cooler where you could come take stuff. Um, we were really focusing on customizing. I really wanted to to tailor the meal to the client's specific needs. So while we could make, you know, say I was making beef stir fry that week, I would have some clients that were gluten-free, some were dairy-free, some nut-free. And so taking one menu item and customizing it per each family was a challenge. And Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and it grew really quickly. Very quickly. And so, yeah. <laughs> but in advance, like when you were even thinking about all of this, did you did you do research? Did you have a plan? I mean, obviously you had to wing it to some extent because it happened so quickly, but Mm -hmm. you know, did you have any certain strategy? Like, was there a model that you were like, Oh, and you know, I saw someone do this in Chicago and this is something that I want to do. Um, no, I mean, we definitely winged it for sure. Uh, but we, we were trying to strategize. We were writing down like the separate categories that I wanted the business to stock the fridge, ready-made meals, small event catering, chef tasting dinners, um, and looking at that. And then before we could do market research, COVID happened and we just went ahead and did it. So our strategy now, our marketing, our proof of it is that it's successful. People were looking for this model. So it allowed us to stick with it and, and grow it. And so as the, business grows more, our research is our success over the last couple of years. Kind of what's worked and what mm-hmm. hasn't worked, right? Because obviously, you know, like you said, you're making those pivots kind of on the fly mm-hmm. and learning as you go, which is not always a bad thing. No. I mean, it, otherwise, if you hadn't have done this, where would you be today? I mean, that what would have happened to the deli and business? Who knows, right? Because right. people weren't coming in to take <laughs> to get sandwiches, sandwiches, right? Right, right. Yeah, and there and there was definitely that need of people couldn't go out to dinner. Families were tired. You know, a lot of people still were working. You know, you mm-hmm. had nurses and doctors, and Correct. you had you know a lot of people that needed that assistance. Um, I mean gosh, fast food restaurants were shut down or you couldn't. So there was, there was a huge need and you were offering that. Mm -hmm. What do you think you've learned since this has happened that has helped you as a business owner today? Like makes you even more prepared if another pandemic happens. (laughs) Um, Is to be ready to change at any moment. Um, As a being trained as a chef and a line cook, we're constantly cooking and changing and doing everything uh, all the time. Um, Customers change their orders immediately. And so you're constantly changing like that. So I'm used to doing that, but now I'm trying to settle that down and look at the bigger picture Mm -hmm. of a business and how to keep changing that and being okay. This didn't work, but this did work. So we can just focus that we can come over here now and and drop that idea. And sometimes it's hard because it's like, I really, really love this idea. And I really thought that this component would take off and it didn't. So, okay, we'll just keep, keep going. And I, I, and, and now that the economy's back, we're fully reopened, restaurants are back, large events are happening. Um, 
there's still a need for what I do and people are still looking for that. So absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it's just continued to grow, which I think Mm -hmm. is interesting. It it wasn't just happening during COVID, like you said, open back up and you still have people doing their takeout orders. They're like the idea of having a chef's meal, healthy, prepared, they can customize it for allergies and they can eat it in the comfort of their own home with their family. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you're meeting those needs. So even though, you know, it's not like it started during COVID and it ended when COVID ended. No, it's, it's keep, it's still going. You know, we, we did a couple of small event weddings during COVID of just immediate family. So it was like 10 people, 15 people, and we would go into their home and we would do a three course dinner and that was their wedding. And they, they, you know, they wanted, they didn't want to postpone their wedding anymore. They're like, we're doing it. We'll throw a big wedding later. Sure. And they never did throw a big wedding later. They just had the small intimate one and that's all they wanted. And since then I've averaged about two or three small weddings every summer since then. Wow. So that's not changing. People are coming up, they're renting vacation homes and just inviting 20 people and getting married. Yeah. That intimacy yeah. has continued. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of that's one positive that came out of COVID is that yes. people um, kind of embrace the intimacy of small mm-hmm. events a little bit more. And yeah, hey, I can't have a big wedding. There's nothing wrong with having an intimate There's wedding nothing. either. Right. Yeah. 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 I like how you talked about, you know, the research or that you thought something might work really well in your business and then it didn't and you, and you just had to roll with it. So many small business owners have these business plans that are 30, 40, 50 pages. They're so chock mm-hmm. full of research and looking at their competitors and and they feel like this is written. This is the document. This is my business plan. This is what I have to do. And you're kind of like, well, I think it's a little bit, I like to be a little bit more fluid and and creative. And so, yeah, we're constantly changing. Yeah, you're not locking yourself into a document that just says, this is the business plan. This is what I have to do. Because as you know, that doesn't always work out. Yeah, the best laid plans are not really always what's going to happen. And we know that just in general in our own lives. I mean, I didn't think I would own a marketing agency. I thought I was going to be a third grade teacher. So things change. (laughs) Right. right. Look at us now. now. So are there things that you would do differently if you looking back? Um, I I think looking back on it, knowing now what I know and looking back on it, I, I, I think I should have just given the initial concept a little bit more structure Mm. Um, instead of being too fluid, give it a, a little bit more backbone structure, define exactly what it is I'm doing and not doing. Um, I had a really hard problem saying no at the beginning. So sure, I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. I can do that. When in reality, I really couldn't, or I didn't have time or I shouldn't have. Sure. Um, so I think it just defining what Chef Sarah was at that time. Got it. Um, do you think that some of yeah. that was fear? I'm just curious, like that you needed the income yeah. that you wanted. To yeah, buy it. I think so. Um, I think that was a big part of it. it was like, which takes I need I need that income. We'll take that money. Yes, and 
thankfully now I'm at the point where I could turn it down if I want to, or if the timing isn't right, um, or I don't want to work with that specific client any longer, I can say no. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's a luxury I think comes with, um, the maturity of a business. So it's not called mm-hmm. Chef Sarah anymore. You, no. um, rebranded. So tell us a little bit about that. We did. So that was summer of 2022, I believe. Yep. And we partnered with you, Keep It Real Social again, and Carrie to rebrand. I wanted to take my name off of the business. I I wanted to be able to hire another chef, um, potentially sell the business down the road. So a key thing for me was to remove my name from it and... Um, with a long-term strategy of wanting it to have its own brick and mortar store, not tied with the Parkside Deli. So to get a name for that. And so we came up with Little Bay Gourmet and we officially launched that, I think in the fall of 2022. Yes. And so something that, you know, so you pivoted because you had to, because of COVID, you had the concept of chefing, personal chefing, and Mm -hmm. um, that grew, you saw, okay, this is, this is something that the market is demanding. I can do this, but you're one person, right? Right. So, and that's, that's where you started to actually create more of a specific game plan, a specific strategy Mm -hmm. and and then structure your program. So you couldn't just get anything and everything that you wanted. Right. Yes. And so if anybody um, is listening, definitely check out littlebaygourmet.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, But it's interesting because you you took your learnings from a tumultuous time where you kind of Mm -hmm. had to just fly by the seat of your pants. And now you've taken it and turned it into something that's structured and organized and well-marketed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. Yeah. No, I think you've done a really great job of making those pivots and changes um, as they kind of came at you. And then as you, Mm -hmm. as the business matured, realizing, all right, now what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to go forward and make this structured and something that is going to live on for a long time? Right. Yeah. So you changed, you adapted, you had to, but how, how, how did you shift like your mindset when all of this was happening? Like, what was, what was it like mentally? Like when you think about the pandemic happening and everything, like how did you mentally handle this? Because whether it's the pandemic or not, there are catastrophes that happen for small business owners all the time, whether, and you've had it where you've had a leak in your building and you've had to shut down for so many days. Like what can you say to help small business owners having to mentally shift your mindset and handle catastrophes? It's, um, a a lot of self-care, um, which I've been focusing on more, um, personally in the last two years that I probably ever have in my life. Um, the, whatever self-care looks like for you. Like I'll do a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. I started yoga last year, um, journaling I've always done and just taking that five or 10 minutes to myself all the time. It's a mental reset. But then when the, when it happens, like when the leak happened and I 
you know, walked into the deli and there's inches of water on the floor. Um, Crazy. Breathing. (laughs) Taking those breathing techniques that I learned from yoga and meditation and just stand there for just even if it's 10 seconds and just, okay, we can do this. And, and, um, yeah, not getting a panic attack, which I've had a couple. Um, well, that's great. That is really good advice because I think sometimes we're so used to taking care of everyone else as small business owners, taking care of our employees, taking care of our brand, taking care of our family, taking care of our customers, our clients. We're, we're kind of, we're saying yes to everything. We're juggling a lot of mm-hmm. things as a small business owner. And whether it's a huge catastrophe, like a leak that shuts down everything, whether it's a pandemic, that it can be so overwhelming that it can it can give you a panic attack. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't stop and take those breaths <laughs> or recognize, I am going to somehow get through this. Right. Not sure how. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but <I'll- laughs> you know, make a list. I'm a list taker, you know, got to write my notes and check the list. So you do a lot of lists. You've started going to yoga, breathing activities, Mm -hmm. walking, hiking. Are there any other, like, do you have any podcasts you listen to, books you read, anything else that you can suggest for a small business owner looking to take care of themselves? I mean, I do a lot of reading, uh, Fiction, nonfiction, history, nothing specific, nothing like self. I don't read like the self-help books, but again, it's just that um, 10 minutes to yourself to whatever it is for yourself. You know, I still cook at home. I still make dinner every night at home Um, because that for me is meditation and therapy. And so it's, yeah, I spend the entire day cooking, but then I just come home and make something for just us. So that's, uh, wow. That's, that's awesome. I'd be like, um, going through Taco Bell. <laughs> what do you want to place your order? I mean, don't get me wrong. We do a lot of um, pizza delivery yeah. here too, but for sure, for sure. I love it. So Sarah, really, I mean, what I'm hearing from you, and this is such good advice that I think small business owners don't talk about is that we have to take care of ourselves. If we're going to mm-hmm. really serve our customers, our clients to the best level that we can. We can be best boss in the world. Um, we have to take care of ourselves mentally. We do. And I also have, you know, um, an amazing network around me of people, my partner, Matt, my family, uh, my girlfriends. I have, you know, we have our happiness group, which is like eight women. And we just connect once a month in person and, but all the time via text groups of, and it's, a, you know, our little cheerleading squad. Oh my gosh. I love this happiness group. And this is not, I didn't plan <laughs> to talk about this, but you brought it up. So I am going to talk about the happiness group. So tell me a little bit yes. about the happiness group. Cause I think that this is such an awesome idea, whether you're a small business owner listening or not, but I think for small business owners, having that group that you're going to explain here that you form, whether it's whether it's fellow business owners or which I, I think mm-hmm. most of the women in the group are some, they own a business in some form, maybe not, but, um, no, they don't. Yeah. I, I don't know all of the people. Uh, like three, three of, of us, you. Okay. four of us. I mean, okay. Half. Okay. Half of the group are small business <laughs> owners. Okay. So, so explain to the listeners, what is a happiness group? 
Okay, this happiness group. So my friend Ashley started it maybe 12 years ago. Um, she had just gone through her divorce and she just needed some happiness and uh, around her. She had she gotten the idea from some sort of, uh, I don't know, something on social media, a uh, life coach kind of a thing, got this idea. And so she started it herself. Um, I think she just did a blanket statement on Facebook, like, I need a happiness group who wants to be in it. And these random women came over. I mean, not random. She knew them all. but And they started getting together regularly to support each other and talk about life and have an open space. And, you know, that was a decade ago. I was my friend. And Jennifer Shorter and I were just asked to join the group last year. Wow, so, it's become an invite, eight. too. <laughs> it is an invite. Um, some people were asked to leave because they were no longer, like, happy. Oh, so you the have happiness. to be happy to be in the happiness You have to be supportive yeah. and not negative. Not always happy because it's an open space. So you can share all. Sure. There's crying. There's everything. But um, it's just a wonderful group. We, we try to get together in person once a month. That doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And we... Once a year, we do a weekend retreat where we go away, and it's literally just a bunch of girls, bras off, eating, drinking, puzzling, laughing, crying, sharing, and it's it's wonderful. And so, like, that is a group text that we are always just constantly, like, whether we're saying something funny or saying, I need a little hug today, it's just a great I love that. Amazing support group. I love that. So it's really this group of, like you explained it, cheerleaders that you can fall Mm -hmm. back on to say, oh my gosh, I'm having a really shitty day. Like someone make me laugh. Send me a meme. I need that laugh. Or, you know, um, hey, I had a win today and celebrate it with me. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you kind of have this group behind you saying, you got this, Sarah. Like, that is so important. It's another example of how you can take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I would, I hope that if you don't have a happiness group that, and you're listening, that maybe you post on Facebook, <laughs> I need a happiness group. Happiness yeah. Because yeah. I see, you know, the retreats when Ashley and you and other people yeah. on social share your retreat and you can tell that your group really has bonded and we have you guys really love each other care for each other mm-hmm. and that you have each other's back which i think right. every person needs in their life it is yeah yeah for sure that it's is great it's that's really special it's a fun eclectic group of women it was you know i was friends with a couple of them i knew almost everybody but we weren't friend friendly and then got in this group and i couldn't tell them anything and i feel so lucky to have them. So another example of taking care of yourself and, and it, you know, I've started doing this when I've come home from work because all day long I'm talking to people, I'm switching gears, going from, you know, one thing to the next. And at the end of the day, I'm really tired, but I have to come home and now it's time for me to cook for the family, clean, start the laundry. I have to put on another hat and it's really hard sometimes to go from one thing to the next and not take that minute or two to shift. And so I've started to come home. I used to even keep my shoes on and go like straight to cooking dinner and straight to the tasks. And it was 
it was draining me. I mean, physically mm -hmm. and mentally draining me. And so now I just take five minutes to sit down. Like nobody talked to me. I'm like, literally I need to shift <laughs> for a minute and then yep. I can, you know, start doing these, these tasks. And I think that's important for everybody, whether you own a small business or not, is to take that time to mentally charge yourself with yeah. friends and activities yes. that mean a lot to you. So Yes. What piece of advice can you give to another small business owner who finds themselves in your shoes that they have to make a change, they have to adapt to a different market because something is not working for them? Ask for help. Um, you have to know. You, you have to either know and admit what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Um, I, me personally. And you know this because you handle my social media. <laughs> I'm not social media. I'm not Google. I'm not the SEOs. I don't even know what those mean. <laughs> um, I asked for that help. Um, you know, I asked my partner for help with all IT stuff. I'm not a computer geek. So um, knowing that that's not my strong suit, my, I'm, I can cook and I'm creative and I can manage people, but there's other things that I can't do. And being uh, accepting of that and asking for help. You know, you can, even if you just call somebody and say, I, can you give me some advice here? Or I think it's working, but I don't know, is it or not, you know, mm -hmm. and ask for help. I think is the biggest thing. I think that's great advice. I think that if you're a small business owner, you don't have to be alone and in a silo, that there are other mm -hmm. small business owners that are there to support you as well as, you know, friends and mentors and people that maybe mm -hmm. aren't in business, but that can offer you some advice. And, and you can admit defeat too. It's okay to wave the white right. flag and say, yeah, like it didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work. And that sucks. And I still wanted it to, but uh, it's better to walk away and then just to keep digging your heels in is something that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Is this something I hear in every podcast interview that I've done is in some way, shape or form, it always comes out from another small business owner to say, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be an right. expert at everything. It's okay to say, I'm not a graphic artist. I need to hire one. Right. Mm -hmm. I think some so people, women get this mentality of like, I am a small business owner. I'm going to do everything. Mm -hmm. This is my business and I will do everything in it. And that's not healthy and you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and nobody knows how to do everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, not everybody likes to do everything. Like I am not a numbers person. And that was one of the, that's one of my second hires that I made was somebody that I could trust that would take care of the books, would handle the numbers because I can understand them. I can do them, but I don't like it. <laughs> it's right. Not I, what I like. Yeah. And because I don't like it, yeah. I'm really not as good as somebody else because it's just not something I enjoy. So yeah. that's where I, you know, like I can cook, but I don't really like it. So if I'm going to have a dinner party, I would rather hire a little bake gourmet. Like it, you, right. you, it's, <laughs> it's okay to know your strengths and weaknesses and, and mm -hmm. ask for help. That is excellent, excellent advice. So. so why do you specifically do what you do? 
Like, what do you love about your business and being a small business owner? Um, I love, as far as Parkside Deli goes, I love the high school kids that work there. Like, I've had a cycle of them over the last five summers, and I've loved all, like, I don't have children, so I get to enjoy them for five hours a day and then send them on their way. Um, <laughs> I've loved watching them grow. <laughs> um, I've loved watching them grow up every summer, and I get a lot of joy from watching them be happy and succeed at their first job. Um, but with chefing and cooking, I mean, obviously it's a passion for food. Um, but for me, I grew up with family dinner every day at six o'clock and it was that half an hour that was required. My dad had to come home from work. He could go back to work, but he had to come home. Wow. We had to have dinner, talk about everything. And then, you know, so that was instilled with me that family dinner was very, um, the family values. It wasn't just about feeding us. It was time together. And so doing chef dinners and going into other people's homes and being able to cater to them for that and see them enjoy their life's moments together and not having to cook or do the dishes. You know, I'm there, my team's there. It just gives me a lot of satisfaction. That is awesome. And it, I think it certainly resonates when people get to know you, that you enjoy that, those intimate moments. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's amazing. So I, I think that family dinner time or those small group moments are so important and people get so busy Mm -hmm. in their lives that you're saying I can help bring those back to you. Right. Yes. That's so special. So Mm -hmm. wow. So your dad could go back to work. Your mom was nice. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes. (laughs) And it was only five minute drive. So perfect. But you got to come home for dinner. I absolutely get home for dinner. You can go. Yeah. I love that. And you probably have some great memories with your family during those dinner times. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah, That's amazing. So, so I ask all my guests one final question, what big win have you had in business that you can share to inspire others? This can be monetary. Mm -hmm. It can be an award. It can be something personal. Well, um, summer, our big win is that we just bought a brick and mortar building yesterday. Yay! So Little Bay Gourmet has its own home. I am so excited. <laughs> yeah, I am so excited. And it's now public. Yeah. By the time this podcast airs, it, it will be, we'll have made the announcement as well. But that is very, and I know you have been looking. I know that you have been researching that this has been um, a long journey for you. And so congratulations. That is a huge win. Huge win. So, yeah, I think like, and I wanted to talk about it earlier when you asked, you know, about our our plans and strategies and whatnot, and uh, every space speaks to you. So originally we were just looking for, I wanted just a commercial kitchen. I didn't want a whole restaurant. I don't want all that. I just wanted a place where I could cook, maybe host some small events in the space. And it was, anyway, commercial real estate is very limited right now, especially with commercial kitchens already Mm. built into them. Um, the expense of building a new one is very high and time consuming. So we had a limited window and found this space that's much, much bigger than what we wanted. So again, now we're just changing our business plan. 
um, while I was set in stone on this, this space, we found it, we loved it. It speaks to us. Um, so the concept's changing a little bit. So that's how we're rolling with it. I love that. It's another example of as a small business owner, there are times where you have to pivot and you have this Polaroid picture in your head. You have this picture in your head of what things are going to look like, but sometimes you've got to change that image in your head. And, and, and now you're going to have this space where you get to do what you do, do what you love mm-hmm. to do and bring all of that to the community and to people passing through our community. Yeah. And it's the kitchen's so large there that I'll be able to have hosted as a commissary kitchen. So I'll be able to rent the space out to other chefs like myself who just need a little place to, to cook, to start up their business, to, you know, stage for their food truck or something. So we're just really excited. And it, yeah, another way (laughs) of giving back to Mm -hmm. those um, fellow small business owners and entrepreneurs that are struggling to get started. Or like you said, having a commercial kitchen is a huge expense. Mm -hmm. It, it, it is. It's very expensive. That is so exciting. Well, I'm excited to you know, see all of this unfold. And anybody listening, I hope you take the time to visit the show notes because if you follow Sarah um, and Little Bay Gourmet on social media, you can also see this journey unfold yeah. for yourself, which is kind of exciting. It so, is. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I've loved seeing your business grow. It has definitely been such a journey. Um, Thank you for sharing your story. I know firsthand that it's going to inspire others. It's inspired uh, myself. So be sure to visit littlebaygourmet.com to learn more about Sarah and connect with her on social media. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Small Biz Big Wins. Don't forget to subscribe to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And of course, I'd be forever grateful if you left a review. Did you know positive reviews help other small business owners find this podcast? Tune in next week for more Small Biz goodness. And if you'd love to be a guest or to recommend one, visit the show notes for more details.